All right, this morning, many of you who know me and some who don't, uh, I love running. I've, I've gotten into running uh, of late after many years of, of not doing a lot of physical a- activity. And, and in part of that, my testimony is of, of part healing to my knees because I've got arthritis in my knees. And had I done any kind of running previously, my knees just ballooned you know, for three weeks and I'd be limping uh, for ages. And I've got at least some healing now where if I'm running in a straight line, I'm all good. My knees are all good. They're fine. It's the lateral stuff that I still struggle with uh, a little bit, but that's coming. That'll be all right. It's coming soon. Um, but I, I just I love it. And on, on, on a Saturday morning, if there's one activity I have for myself at the moment, on a Saturday morning, although I do it with my boys whenever I possibly can, they come along as well when sport's not um, happening, which now is pretty much every week. Um, we go on a park run. There's park runs. Have you heard of them? The community park runs that exist across pretty much the world, I think. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. And so just as a side note, if you want to get involved and come and have a little, you don't have to be a runner. You can walk. Lots of people walk. It's just a great time. A couple hundred people at Warner Lakes at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning. But um, yeah, I don't sleep in. I get up and I, and I go to this park run. And uh, I, I really enjoy it. And then a couple of days a week, I also, where I can, I get out of bed and, uh, and I go for a run first thing in the morning before the sun's come up at the moment. And uh, I plug the Bible man in to my ears and, and away I go on my run in the quiet of the, of the morning, in the still of the morning, and let the Bible man read to me as I run the scripture. And then I love to put on some worship afterwards. Um, the other day I was out there running and... And I was, I was really hurting. I'd gone out hard on the front end and I thought, oh, I'll give it a crack and we'll see. Often we do some silly things and we make some silly choices and we, let's just have a, a real good crack on the front end. And, and I went out there a lot faster than I normally would and on the back end, oh, I was hurting. It was not good. And I'm thinking, I've still got to work a whole day, let alone uh, finish this run. And uh, the slightest incline on a hill, I mean, I was hurting so bad, even just a little incline felt like I was going to trip over my own feet because I was barely getting them off the ground. Maybe that's old man syndrome in part as well. And I am fighting the very, very um, well-known medical condition called dad gut in the midst of all my running as well, I'm trying to lose a little bit of that. as well. It's going okay. What didn't go well was the back end of that run and my head got in the game. And if you've been out running or you've done any physical exercise or anything, even not physical exercise, just challenging, when your head gets in the game, you're in a lot of trouble. You're in a lot, a lot of trouble. And my head got in the game on this day. All the thoughts started flooding in and my body is screaming out, stop, just stop, stop running, it hurts, suck in the oxygen for a little while. And... uh, and my head is going, why did you even get out of bed this morning? What a stupid idea that was. Look at you, you're going to throw up by the time you finish this run. It's not going to go well for you. All these thoughts start creeping in my head. So I started to slow down. I started to slow down on my run and I listened to the thoughts and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take it easy for the rest of the run. And in the midst of that, as that was happening, suddenly this worship song came on. And it was more upbeat. It was a really, really upbeat song. And I'm, all these thoughts are happening and I'm hurting and I'm, you know, breathing like an asthmatic rhinoceros as I'm running along 
on the track and and uh, this song came on and all of a sudden, without even realising it, the thought stopped as I started to listen to this song and hear the beat and hear the rhythm of this song. Without realising it, my mind switched off from all the thoughts of you can't to listen to the song. And all of, along with that, suddenly my body started to also react to the rhythm of the song. And I hadn't even realised it until the Lord said, hey, Scott, look what's happening. And I kind of almost stopped running because he spoke like that. <laughs> it snuck up on me and, 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 I, and I'm like, what's going on? And he said, look, look you, the, the thoughts have stopped and, and the beats, the rhythm has caused you to start running back at pace again with the, with the song. You're running to the beat. You've, you've stopped those thoughts and you're now running to the rhythm. And I'm like, wow. And he said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to preach about that on, uh, when you preach next Sunday. And I'm like, okay, I'll preach on the rhythm of heaven this morning. So there's a story of how we've got to where we are uh, today. And as we do that, I want to take a few minutes to tie this into our theme that we've been following Throughout all of this year, it's a word that the Lord's given us, come, follow me. We've been on a, a journey for the past year, and, and scarily enough, we're approaching the halfway mark of this year of the theme, come, follow me. And as we think about that call to come, follow me, it would be reminiscent of us to hear this as a command from Jesus. Although it's located in the Bible twice, the words, come, follow me, Matthew 4:19 and Mark 1:17 are passages where Jesus calls to Peter and his brother Andrew to come follow him and he'll make them fishers of men. You can find that in those two passages. The second is found in Matthew 19:21, Mark 10:21 and Luke 18:22 where Jesus speaks to the rich young ruler and he tells him to go give all he has to the poor and then come follow me. They're the two references we have in scripture to those words. But in both circumstances, even in the midst of speaking to the rich young ruler about selling all that he has and then follow, following him, Jesus never commands. Jesus never, ever commands in those two sentences. It is always and always will be an, invita an invitation. It always will be an invitation for Jesus. Come, follow me. Anything we're called into by Jesus is an invitation. But let's be clear, while it's an invitation, it's also a clear, direct and personal call. There is no ambiguity in this call. It is clear, come, follow me. We are not called to follow a set of religious rules. We're not called to live a good life in the hope that we might have done just enough to get included, to get into the kingdom of heaven. We're not called to some sort of abstract thinking where truth is relative to the individual. And they're just a few things that we might think that we could be called to. We are called to follow the way, the truth, and the life. That is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Come, follow me. And there's also nothing passive in that statement. There's not three simple little words that could mean so much there's nothing passive in it. Come, follow me. Two of the three words are doing words. Come and follow. And the third one, well, me happens to be probably 
the person that's involved in the world is the greatest person ever to live on earth and is the son of God, the creator of earth and heaven. So all three words, when you tie them together, have so much power and meaning to our life. And so we've been living those three words out for the last six months. And would it be all right if I shared a little honestly with you this morning? Is that okay? I hope so. (laughs) Thank you, David. (laughs) Good call. Good call. In the midst of our call to say, come follow me, Jesus saying, come follow me, we have a context that we're living in and we are the Vineyard Church, Pine Rivers Vineyard. Over many years in the vineyard, many people have come, and I've seen this, I've been involved in the vineyard for, this is scary, yeah, that's right, I just got to look at his age, and then I know, no, it's even a few more years before that, how old are you, no, 19 years, it'd be, (laughs) I know how old you are, Jake. He's not 19. We were involved a couple of years before Jake was born, so it's okay, all right? (laughs) I do know my son's age. It's all good. Um, It's been a long time, side note, it's been a long time that we've been involved in over many years, and I'm one of them. People have come from many different denominations into the vineyard. Uh, Side note, many have been saved in the vineyard, and awesome, but right now, Many have come into the Vineyard Church from other denominations and other churches. And without, I'm not bad-mouthing other churches at all. I'm just talking into the reality of what we've seen as people have come into the Vineyard Movement, myself included, of how I came into the Vineyard Movement, that people have come very burnt out, broken and burnt out, as they've come from other churches Hear me clearly, I love all of God's church. The reality is, as people do life together and people have certain expectations and things, people get hurt and people get wounded and I get that. And where we can and where it happens, we're not perfect either. We pray through it, we work through it, we bless, we forgive, we love, all of those things, we do those things. But people come broken and hurt. The common story that I've... I've I've felt and I've heard from people is that they have to do in order to be in other churches. What do I mean by that? So people often think either by their own expectations or by expectations of other people in other churches that you have to do certain things in order to be in as such, to be saved and to be in or even just to be a part of the church. You can be saved, but just to be a part of the church, you have to do in order to be. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah, good. What we've always strived for in the vineyard is come as you are. Come exactly who you are. We, we want to open our doors to whoever would like to come and explore the Father's love for them. The doors are wide open for that to happen. And if we have you for a season where that occurs and then the Lord says you need to move on to another area, another church, we bless that in Jesus' name because it's all about him and it's not all about us. So we've said come as you are and you don't have to do anything in order to be loved. So I want to make that really clear this morning as I speak right now. Again, people need to hear that word clearly 
from the leadership group and from Pine River's Vineyard. You don't have to do anything in order to be loved by the Father. That comes freely because of what Jesus Christ did in his life, in his death and his resurrection. That is fully available to anybody who would want to receive that now. And it's a value that we hold really dearly still. Come as you are. Come exactly how you are. And so we begin to live from an, uh, and we end from a place of being loved by the Father through his Son, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We hold those three things very highly in the church. And so we say, come and be. Just come and be. That's all you have to do is come and be. And those passages, and that's really true. And what we often did, and what we did early in the vineyard is we had, who knows, you know the story of Mary and Martha? As they sit at Jesus, yeah, Mary sits at Jesus' feet, Martha serves and Martha gets a little upset because Mary's not doing anything to help prepare the meal. She gets cranky at her sister. Revelation that siblings get cranky at each other, I know. It doesn't happen in our house, ever. Um, never happened in mine either. Um, <laughs> She gets cranky, and then Jesus says, no, 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 Martha, Mary got it right. You need to sit at my feet. And so we took passages like that because it was a great biblical example, and it's really good biblical example to say you don't have to do to please the Lord. You just have to be, to, to actually be loved by him and accept him. But, but I think what we did is we, 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 we had, we're out here on the, we have to do in order to strive or religious activity or our own expectation of what that might be. And then we came into uh, this, this great revelation that the Lord was doing through the Vineyard Church. And, and it was like, no, 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 no. Not just the Vineyard Church, a lot of churches. No, 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 no. You just have to know that you are loved and accepted by the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And now the Holy Spirit can be in you as a promise of that salvation in your life and lead and guide you and comfort and all the things that the Holy Spirit does. And so we went right out here. I think in this time that we're living in right now and what the Lord's saying in Come, Follow Me, we are being asked to commit to now move back a little bit more here where we say, I am who I am because of how the Father loves me and it's out of that place of how much he loves me that I can now do. I can now do. And in one sense, I know it's a crass example because I don't like saying there's a pendulum of left and a pendulum of right because what we're on a, we're on a journey. Those three words are what we're on. And so the better example or better theology might be that we're actually on the journey of following Jesus and discovering who we are in him and who he is to us. And so I think and I believe and I'm praying into for the Vineyard Church because I love her so passionately in Australia that we will move out of this place where it's, it's almost like we have to get this move into a place of ascension to a certain level and we, and we might have made it at that point, but whereas the Lord's saying, no, no, no. Look, the Mary Martha passage was never, I don't think, just fully about sitting at Jesus' feet. It was about the moment that they were in, Mary and Martha. And the moment they were in was Jesus was there to be found at that time. 
He was there and, and wanting to be with him. He wasn't worried. I'm reading into the text. This is my interpretation. But I think he was like, Martha, I'm here for you now. You needed to pay attention to me in the now. Mary did the right thing in paying attention to me. He was never saying that one is over the other as such. Does that, are you picking, I'm, I'm not offending anybody, am I? Well, that's okay if I am. I'm challenging you a little bit. I'm okay with that. That's okay. We'll work that through together. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and we'll pray afterwards together. But are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down there around the Lord's desire that we could be and he would empower us to then do out of who we are. We're all sweet? Cool. <laughs> all right. So again, I just want to reiterate. Friends, we're in a season where the Lord, through these three words, is calling us to a commitment to follow him. Not passively, but quite aggressively run and chase after him. So, can I give you some lessons from my running experience about come follow me and running to the rhythm of heaven? It really resonated with me last week when Tavia, and if, again, there's such a grace on Tavia and her preaching at the moment, doing just a phenomenal job and um, just want to honour the gift that is on, on your life, um, Tavia, from the front today. We just bless it in Jesus' name to continue to grow. Um, if you haven't heard it, again, get onto SoundCloud or, or um, iTunes and, and get, um, search Vineyard Pine Rivers and you'll find, to find the message. But she said, she quoted the scripture and it just hit me like a ton of bricks when she quoted it um, from Paul where he says, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I always do. That just about sums up my running journey. <laughs> I want to run throughout the week, but I have to set three alarms to get up and get myself out of bed to actually do it. And even then, the final alarm that I set is actually set for the time that I just need to get up and get ready to go to work because I've missed all the other alarms and the opportunity to go out for a run. So what I want to do, I don't do, always do. <laughs> I say as I start a run that I'll take it easy today, I'll just go for a bit of a jog and we'll see how we go. And the minute I take that first step, I can't help myself. I'm going as hard as I possibly can, flat out, um, to then not need leave enough in the tank to finish well at the end of the at the end of the run i oh here's a good one how, how many of us do this even like at new year's i build myself up with positive thoughts before the run you're gonna do it you're gonna smash this tire and get in there and go it away we'll go this is gonna be a great run your body's feeling great you know you're not hurting today and all those things and about a kilometre into the run, my body is screaming at me, you lied, <laughs> you lied, <laughs> this is horrible, this is horrible. And I think oh, how dumb I am to have even got out of bed while I'm doing it. Literally, these are thoughts I have as I go out of a run by myself. And then there's, uh, I, wish I, <laughs> I wish I could say that my discipleship journey is different, but you know, often it's not. I don't know about other preachers, and I'm just going to touch on a few broad aspects of my life and my discipleship. I'm sure you've got your own. I don't know about other preachers, but when I begin to pray and prep for preaching, I start with the greatest intentions to prepare early. 
<laughs> going to get it done early. Going to crank this out. I'm going to do multiple drafts. I'm going to go preach at the back fence or something and, and get this word, you know, absolutely smashed and, and refined down to the nth degree. Always in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's okay. Always listening to the Lord, wanting to listen to the Lord in that. And then uh, I find myself in the last week with very late nights and early mornings to get the message completely completed. Uh, what I want to do, I don't always do. <laughs> Thoughts like, this time as I speak in my mind, it will come out perfectly on the page. I don't know, if you've, if you've ever got up behind a microphone and you're like, you've got all these great thoughts and, and it's like heaven just got this open portal just downloaded in your mind and you're like, this is going to be like Billy Graham kind of, kind of stand. I mean, stand by on this word. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and you start typing and one said to Zid to actually typing. What was that thought again? I, ah, man, and it's gone. <laughs> the majority of what you thought is gone. What I do, want to do, I don't always do. All my best intentions to let the words of my mouth glorify God throughout the day until the first car on the road does something silly in front of me. <laughs> being honest, <laughs> being honest. Then there's my commitment to look after my body and eating healthy. And then until I see that somebody brought a jar of lollies in to work, and they start calling my name. I mean, literally, this little jar of snakes starts calling my name. It's like, eat me, eat me. You can run it off tomorrow. I literally have that thought. I'll eat it and I'll run it off again tomorrow. And so I find myself in many circumstances of my life, I cry out like Paul, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who can save me? Well, this morning I want to offer a passage of, as an encouragement to us all as we commit to answering the call of Jesus to come, follow me. If you want, as I take a sip of drink, could you turn to Hebrews chapter 12? And I'm just going to read the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 12. I'll start with the NIV first. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart." Great, great little passage. So what have I learned from running and how do we tie it into Hebrews chapter 12? Well, let me start with when I'm on my, on my own, when I'm running on my own. What I do is I fix my attention on the rhythm that causes me to run at pace. The music that I listen to has two effects, as I said before. The first is to stop my mind from focusing on the factors that will prevent me from running and doing what I need to achieve, what I need to achieve in that run. The doubts and the cry of my body to please stop inflicting so much pain on me um, nullify and drop away. Having a rhythm to move to um, stops those thoughts from actually occurring. 
But then there's also the effect, as I said before, that it has on my body. And do you know it's actually scientifically proven? There's been studies. They put music on and they play a, play a slower pace and a faster pace as athletes run. And every single one that I saw that got tested actually ran quicker when the beat of the music was faster. They could actually run faster. And so I play that so I can run a little bit quicker. Friends, Jesus is the rhythm of heaven. And he is the rhythm that we run our life to. It's not our own pace. We don't run at our own pace. We run at his pace so we don't burn out. That's when we get into the doing before the being. And we run into trouble where we'll, the tank runs dry, really, really dry, because we're doing it in our own strength. And we get really tired, really tired. We don't listen to the lies of the enemy if we have Jesus as our rhythm, continually trying to drag us back and in some cases try to even stop us from running the race. You're not good enough. You can't possibly be loved. Look at all the sin in your life. You don't have enough faith. Or we can fix our attention to the one who authored and began the race and set the race out for us. He marked it out. The path is not a secret. You don't have to go and find some sort of secret little pathway that you've got to follow. It's all written right here. It's all right here of what path we need to run. Jesus showed the way and he is our rhythm. And he says, come and follow me. But then there's another lesson I've learned and that's when I run with others. A few weeks ago, I, I learned this, uh, this great lesson that it's also good to run with somebody who's just a little bit in front of you as a mentor running beside you. Didn't even ask for it, actually. I was out at a good pace on the park run. And I thought I might have a go at my PB here today and, and see if we can get it done. And I was hurting on the back half, as this is a common theme, I was hurting. We, we get that. Um, but... but you know, I, I was not doing well and um, a, a lady, one of the, the mothers, it's Donna, she, she was just brilliant. She just came up beside me as she caught up to me and she just decided to run beside me. She could obviously see that I was hurting and, uh, and ran beside me and just gave me words of encouragement all the way through as I was running on the park run. And uh, I did get my PB, I smashed it by about 40 seconds because I had somebody beside me who was actually just speaking words of encouragement and took my mind off all the things that could distract me, all the elements, all the, all the doubts, everything that could inhibit me from actually running the race well. She did, she did a great job. In my mind, I'm like, please stop talking, please stop talking, I can't do it anymore. But she just kept going, kept encouraging me to keep pressing forward. And what I love about the start of Hebrews 12 is that the writer says there is a cloud of witnesses, pioneers who blaze the way before us. And these are the people of the Bible that mentioned in Hebrews 11, like your, your Noah's and your Ruth's and your Abraham's and your great, great Old Testament um, um, pillars that the writer calls out. And then he says in Hebrews 12, there are a cloud of witnesses, the pioneers that have gone before us. Let me, let me read the message version to you, the start of it. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. And I stopped and I went, 
I've always looked at those people as something to aspire to, that I want to be like. And even now, our modern-day people of the faith that we, we look at, and like you Ken Fishers that we've had come through, and you're Robbie Dawkins, and the great testimonies and stories, and let's be honest, the, the social media, media flood that now exists, that you can see all these amazing testimonies of what God is doing throughout the earth. Good in one sense, but the danger is that I go... I can't be like that. I can't do that. I can't... That, that is so far beyond where I'm at right now and we default to another, not even starting the race. But what I've done and what I've found now is if I, if I use them like, like a donor and I say, they're the pioneer that have done it before me and they're now saying, come on, Scott. Come on, get in there. Get in there and have a crack because I did and you can do it. It can be done. So think about them more, not as, like, I know he said people, so you think about Smith Wigglesworth, and I, I could, we could keep rattling the names off of all your heroes of the faith that are good. Don't let them, though, be a hindrance to you actually following the one who sets the pace for your life, and that is Jesus Christ. Because if you get to the point where you read their stories and you have the first few words that say, I can't do that, that is a hindrance to you following Jesus and taking the next step at his pace for your life. Stop it. Tell it no. Tell that thought no. The enemy would like nothing better than to let you know you can't do that. You are so far from where that place is, which is not true. It's actually not true at all. That's a lie of the enemy, that we think that that's how far away we are from where they're actually at. And just say yes to following the rhythm of heaven and take the next step throw everything off and run the other lesson that i've learned oh that that's what I've done. the other person that i want to actually speak out is john wimber so as i've talked about how we want to grow in the vineyard around being and therefore doing I also want to encourage us, when you hear John Wimber's stories, hear it from the perspective of Hebrews 12 with a pioneer who's gone before us who is now cheering us on. That was always John's cry. John was brilliant at it. it, And so let's always, whenever we hear the history of the vineyard and what happened in the vineyard, let's look at it as a, a pioneer who went before us to then call us to say, come on, it can be done. Run the race. Follow Jesus into all he's calling you into. Let's do that when we hear John Wimber's stories um, going forward. There's one more lesson that I've learned at Park Run. I've learned that it's really wise for me to pick a, um, a carrot, so to speak, so I look at some people that are always running and I, and, I, and, I look, and I try and keep pace with them. I try and follow them almost step for step as much as I can because I know the times that they do. When I first started Park Run, it was Kirk. Kirk was always out in front of me and I would, I would watch where he is because I had a good idea of the kind of time I could do and I'd try and set my pace according to following that person. I, they had gone before me. 
They had broken through certain barriers that I wanted to and they'd always, they'd gone before me. And so I knew if I copied their pace, if I followed them, if I fixed my gaze on them, I could stop the thoughts that said you can't do it. I could stop my body. Well, my body still cries out, but I can tell it to be quiet and keep pace with that person because I know the time that they do and I go step for step, try and follow their rhythm of their pace wherever I possibly can. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. He was the one who finished the race set out before us. And he is now calling to each one of us as he says, come follow me. And he says, fix your gaze on me. Lock your eyes intently on me and we'll finish the race together. They're my lessons that I've learned from running around Jesus saying, come follow me. There's one more story I'd like to share with you. I've shared it here before, but the Lord told me to tell, tell you again, so I'll do that. When Jake was younger, um, we, we used to, Belinda and I used to live in Ballina for a while, and he was at a school race, and I can't remember if it was a 200 or a 400. I can't remember which it was, but he was running that race. He was a whole lot smaller than he is right now. And uh, I found myself somehow as a timer, the timekeeper, or, or one of the people at the finish line, and uh, the, the gun went off and they're running and I'm watching Jake come around the back stretch and I could see he was starting to slow. He'd gone out real hard and he was starting to slow coming on that back stretch. And then as he hit the, the, the straight, I positioned myself so he could directly look at me and he could see me when he came around that straight. And as he did that, I just started yelling at him and calling to him saying, come on, you can do it, come on. Come on, run to me, run to me. And all of a sudden, this instinctive father-son connection happened or the knowing that this person that he loved and, who loved and cared for him was calling him forward to, to, to in, into this, finishing this race well. His pace, his run, he just flew and, and won. He caught the kid and, and won as he ran a, across the line. And the Lord has continually spoke to me about that story. The Father is calling us to run the race and he's not asking us to do it on, his, on our own. He's asking us to follow Jesus into all that he calls us into as he says, come follow me. But he's asking us to run and he's at the finish line and he's saying, come on, come on, you can do it, you can do it, run with my son. You can do it if we will fix our gaze on Jesus and if we will understand how much the Father is championing us to say, come, finish the race, follow me and finish it well. The sky's the limit on what we will do and achieve and for the kingdom of God. I want to pray for us this morning. Because I believe this is a very exciting season for us in Pine Rivers Vineyard. I believe it's a very exciting season for all that the Lord wants to do when he says, come follow me. He's calling us to get up out of our chairs and to press in, to commit to being a disciple of Jesus and to run after him because he's worth chasing, as I said at the start. There is no other way to live. There is no greater way to live. And uh, this morning... If you have not experienced or it's gone a little dull 
in terms of the person of Jesus. Not the rules, not, not anything you think you have to do to be loved, but if the, the personal relationship with the man and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has gone a little dull or you've never actually entered into that relationship, today's a good day, a very good day to come back and say, I want it. I want the fire back. I want to know you again, Jesus, and I want to keep up with you. I want to follow you into all you call me. So if that's you this morning, why don't we all stand up now, if that's all good. If that's you this morning, I want to read the rest of um, the message because I think this is for you this morning that the Lord wants to actually reinvigorate that journey. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who have blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever, and how he's there in the place of honour right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he ploughed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I love that. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls when we focus on Jesus and fix our gaze on him and follow his story. If you want that this morning, if you need that adrenaline shot, then come forward. If you called about knowing Jesus for the first time or that relationship's got dull, just start moving forward. The other thing I want to pray for this morning is, again, I've mentioned about the, the be and the do and those kind of things um, with other churches. It would be reminiscent of me not to say we want to pray for you this morning if you are in that place where either one, you're still hurting because you've been wounded by the churches. We want to pray for you this morning that the Father would come and love on you. But I also want to pray for people, we want to pray for people, if it's time, it's time to commit because you now know who you are. You've, you've run the journey with the Lord of discovering again who you are before him. You can be with confidence. And because of being, because of understanding how much the Father loves you, you can now do with all the confidence because he's going to set the pace for you. You don't have to fear burnout anymore, no longer. There is freedom for you this morning to get back into doing the things of the kingdom. And we want to bless that if that's you this morning. So start come forward if this is you guys. We want to bless and pray for you in that.